So last week, I talked about how much Batman Begins sucks. And I stand behind that. I said what I said. I got some messages from some people who didn't agree with me. And they're wrong. That movie is not very good. It's just a well-made movie that's written poorly and acted kind of okayly. <laughs> so anyway, I uh, it got me interested to do the rest. Now, I know where I stand um, on the, the final one, which <laughs> I'm going to get into next in two weeks, two more episodes. I'll do that. The one after the next one. This is episode 35, and then there'll be 36, and then 37. Episode 37, I'll do uh, Dark Knight Rises. But this episode is all about the Dark Knight. The opus of the Nolan Batman trilogy. Now, I remember it being... I remembered it being good. Like, I liked it, but I knew there were some parts that um, I thought were dumb. So I decided to watch it, and I haven't watched it in, I don't know, a few years. And... um, Let's just get into it. I have a bunch of notes. And, you know, we're just going to fucking go through it and see where we're at. Okay. Uh, Spoilers for The Dark Knight if you haven't seen it. It's been a while. You should watch it. You should watch it. Okay. So it starts with this opening bank heist. Um, And I think this is the scene that gripped everyone's attention um this scene is shot so fucking well the music is perfect it's just like high tension string um it's shot beautifully you're getting very little information so there's mystery to it and essentially you open on you know, the camera coming up behind a guy in a mask and a bag, and then you come to realize like there's all these henchmen and clown masks, and they're gonna rob this bank. And like, you're getting information from the henchmen as they like scene cut between different henchmen talking. You're getting information about them, and it's all like, um, did you hear about this Joker guy? Like they're talking about the Joker. They don't know who he is, or you know, they just know of him. They're talking about him. Love this idea. It's great. Very similar um, the way, you know, Tim Burton approached the 1989 Batman in the beginning where there's henchmen talking about the idea of the Batman and why it's scary. So, you know, he's whether he did it intentionally or not, he's borrowing on that idea. Um, and then, like, the henchmen start killing each other. Like, one, like, there'll be a pair doing a job. Like, one guy is on the roof. Cutting the phone lines or whatever. And as soon as he's done, the henchman behind him kills him. Fucking great. And that happens a couple more times. A guy at the safe. Once he opens the safe, boom, the henchman behind him kills him. So you start to realize like, oh, and and the henchmen are saying like, oh, I was told to kill you. So I killed you. So you start to realize like, oh, okay. Um, You know, the Joker's behind this and he's told every one of each pair of henchmen to kill the other one. So that way there's less by the time it gets to him and you kind of, can see where it's going. Fucking awesome. So they get all the money. Um, I think they kill the guard. I don't remember. There's a lot of murder in this movie. A lot of murder in this movie. 
Um, so you come to realize, oh, this is a crime boss bank. Like it's a Falcone owned mob bank. And the bank manager comes out and he's like, who are you fucking with? And he's like taking shots at everybody, at the bad guys with shotguns and he's missing. Excuse me. And um, so, you know, uh, he gets shot and by the Joker and um, then, you know, Joker takes off his mask and reveals who he is. And you're like, it's the Joker. <laughs> but then something weird happens. Like, and then like Joker kills the last henchman other than, no, he kills the last henchman, takes all the money for himself and takes off in this um, school bus. But like before he does that, he puts a smoke grenade in the bank manager's mouth. The bank manager's still alive. And the bank manager's like yelling, but he won't take the smoke grenade out of his mouth. He won't even spit it out. He's just like leaving it in his mouth. It's very odd. It's like a really dumb choice. So anyway, I don't understand why he didn't do that. Okay. So then it cuts to the next part where it's like there's some sort of drug deal going down in a like a multi-level parking lot, parking structure. And it's the uh, scarecrow selling his fear toxin to henchmen, I guess, whatever. And then you come to see that there's like all these like pretend wannabe vigilante Batmans dressed in like hockey pads and shit. And I fucking hated this. I like the idea of, you know, the, the fake Batman, but like throwing away the scarecrow. They threw him away in the first movie. He was he would have been great. And then this movie, they make him just like a fucking D-level guy who so easily gets taken out. It's it's so pointless. It's such a disrespect to the, the character that I thought would have been really cool. I You know, watch uh, episode, whatever it is, 34 or 33 when I talk about uh, Batman Begins. But they just fucking throw it. They could have used any bad guy to show this scene. There was no need to make it Scarecrow just to make him like a worthless villain to get beat up eventually when Batman does show up. It was so stupid. It really, really... And I like the idea of the phony Batman, but they never really revisit it. Like later, one one of those guys gets captured and murdered by the Joker to like put heat on Batman to come forward. But even that part of the story is kind of like just buried in there. This is a problem. Nolan does this with all of these Batman movies. I've only come to think of it. I've only seen one other non-Batman Nolan movie. I think it's um, Memento. I haven't seen. He did Interstellar, right? I haven't seen that. Did he do Interstellar? I don't know. I have. I didn't see Inception. What's the one with that robot that walks in the water? Didn't see that. Didn't see. Uh, didn't he do a war? World War One or something? Didn't see that. Or World War Two? I don't know. Normandy. So I don't know if this is just his style um, or if it's just um, how he did the Batman series, but he crams so much. They're just so bloated and um, it's, a, it's a problem. It's a problem. It makes a what could be a really compelling story about one or two things. He tries to make it about like 15 things. And so everything always feels like quick, like it's cutting. Like you're, I said this in the last movie, too, that it feels like it's you're just constantly watching a montage. Um, I will say that this movie, I don't know if this is true, but this seems much more like a Nolan movie where the first one, you don't really feel so much of his directing style. It seems like more studio involvement, but this one, it feels like he is making this movie. So anyway, I hated that they threw away the scarecrow. Um, 
I, I hate. So while this drug deal is going on that the fake Batman are you know trying to stop, the real Batman shows up in his giant fucking tank, the most unstealth thing ever, and he just like pops in through like a multiple like he's on like a high floor and he just pops in through like where did he fucking come from? Without being heard, like you wouldn't hear this tank barreling through the air, like trying to get in there. He crashes through the wall. He, Batman's there, but he's he's not in it. It's just a diversion. So then Batman, you know, comes out of nowhere. And um, the shitty Bat-Fu is back, his terrible fighting style, where he commits, you know, always to one side, one direction, and big kind of hulky movements. It's it's not good. And um, I, I Batman is kind of known for fighting. He's known for two things. Batman, the character Batman, not Bruce Wayne, but Batman. Um, ninja shit, like stealth and, and using the shadows and fighting. That's kind of Batman's thing. And he uses no stealth. He just <laughs> jumps right in and is fighting everybody all at once. And his fighting style is trash. It's so stupid. Um, and I, I still really dislike the, the costume design. I hate all the little armor plates. He's Batman. He doesn't need armor. That's the whole point that he's Batman. And he, and then and just the the cowl design I really don't like. They make it where it kind of like loops, it like hugs tight to Bale's face and kind of comes underneath. So you get like this like kind of a heart-ish type shape around his mouth. I really don't like it. It's unflattering, and the way it pulls his nose back. That's part of the reason it makes him talk like this. Um, and the fucking voice is even worse in this movie. It's so dumb. Um, he's just making so much noise. He makes so much noise in these movies. The first movie is all about how he's a ninja, but he's never he's never doing anything ninja-like. It's so stupid. Um, so anyway, he makes a bunch of noise. They throw away the Scarecrow character. It's a real bummer. They could have done something cool with him. They just, they didn't both times. Um, I, but I do love that in this movie, like over the course of all these movies, Batman is still figuring out how to be Batman. I like that conceptually. I like that, that um, he doesn't have it nailed down, that he's not perfect about it, that he's not, you know, invincible. I like all those elements. Um, that doesn't apply to the, him making too much noise. That's like the first thing he learned prior to becoming Batman, I was like, oh yeah, don't make a lot of noise. The League of Shadows taught me like how to not be seen. But then he's constantly just like popping up in front of people. Like, ah, I'm right here. I'm Batman. Ah, I'm a ninja. You can't see me. Here I am. Um, so the Rachel story is still obnoxious, but it does make more sense in this movie. They're, they're you know, she, she actually kind of plays a role, kind of. Um, but I mean, they're really, in these movies, they just use female characters to humanize the male characters. Like the the female character, like she had more to do in this movie for sure. And I I like Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, I think she's a good actor. You know, leagues better than Katie Holmes. No disrespect to Katie Holmes. And obviously, that's a very disrespectful thing to say. But I don't mean it like that. I just mean like objectively. I personally don't find Katie Holmes um, all that interesting to watch. Where I think Maggie Gyllenhaal has a lot of character and charisma and, and is very good. And she's very good in this. Um, but they're just using her as a way to humanize Bruce Wayne and Harvey Dent. That's all they're doing. 
The same in the first movie, they just use her as a way to humanize Bruce Wayne. She's not actually a part of the story. She's just, um, yeah, she's she's just a vehicle or a tool to make the male characters seem better. Yeah. Um, but there's something about, I feel that this has to do with Nolan. There's something about the way he directs that for me, every, all the acting choices feel a little flat. It's got to be his, him as a director. Cause like, I feel that way about every character in the movie that everybody's just playing it a little flat. And, um, I feel like he was so concerned. I don't know if this is true. It's just my, you know, my guess. I feel that he was so concerned with, I got to ground this in reality. I got to make it real. I got to make it real. I got to make it real that he downplayed everything in weird ways, but it's just, so it's like, again, it's still not fun. This movie is not fun. Um, and it, uh, everybody feels a little flat to me. I don't know why it's just, Bruce Wayne, for me, I, th- I feel is supposed to be lovable. Like, I love the way, for me, the, the best iteration I've seen of the relationship between the two, Bruce Wayne and Batman, because it is supposed to be a relationship, uh, is the animated series. They got it right. And when Bruce Wayne is Bruce Wayne, he's not, like, he's kind of dopey, and um, but he's still lovable. Like, you, you love that character. But Bale's Bruce Wayne is just a dick and I don't like him like, I don't want to watch him I don't find him charismatic I just he's an he's just an asshole and you can argue like well that's you know billionaires are probably assholes sure but I don't want to watch that from my hero you know what I mean I don't want to watch him pretend it, it's just I don't like it it's just not fun to watch um there's a scene where Bruce Wayne uh, is at dinner with Harvey Dent and Rachel Dawes, the Maggie Gyllenhaal and um, what's his name? Aaron Eckhart characters. And um, he's kind of like testing Dent to see if he's like a legit good guy. And I like that. I like that a lot as Bruce Wayne. He's using his position as Bruce Wayne um, to find out which politicians are good or bad. Like, yeah, that's some Bruce Wayne Batman shit. Great. Like he that. Yes. Good job. But like the reason he's doing it is because he wants to not be Batman. Like all of Nolan's Batman movies are about Batman going like, I want to be Batman. And then the second he's Batman, he's like, I don't want to be Batman anymore. I need to find a way to not be Batman. Uh." And it's just very dumb. Batman wants and needs to be Batman. That's one of the defining characteristics of Batman is that he feels so compelled to be Batman, to protect the people of Gotham, uh, to prevent any child from ever experiencing his trauma, that he will sacrifice his own life uh, figuratively and literally to keep that from happening. But in these Nolan Batman movies, he's constantly just like, I don't want to be Batman. Fuck it. Could you be Batman? Uh, Harvey Dick, could you be Batman? Uh, what about Bane? Could you be Batman? Like everybody, <laughs> he wants everybody else to be Batman. Um, it, I, I get what they were going for. It's just, no, it's dumb. Um, what else? So then Heath Ledger starts coming in more. He does that, uh, scene, you know, with all the bad guys sitting around, which I'll get to that in a second. And I'll get to it now. Why the fuck are all these bad guys, all these different crime bosses just like hanging out together? 
<laughs> like they all keep their money in the same banks. They all pool and like talk to each other. Like, aren't they in competition with each other? It, it was just very silly and like kind of uh, 1966 Batman for me. Like when you'd see like, you know, they want to get all the characters in the same room. So you got Catwoman, Riddler, uh, Egghead, Joker, Penguin all hanging around in the same room talking. And you're like, <laughs> what? So anyway, all the bad guys are just hanging out in their like monthly clubhouse meeting. And then Heath Ledger walks in and he's fucking electric. He really is like some of the editing I found weird in that in that scene where he, uh, you know, I, I want to make a pencil disappear trick. Um, but he, he is so fucking good in this movie. He is he carries the movie. I think him and um, Michael Caine and Morgan Freeman. But yeah, they carry the fucking movie, like especially Heath Ledger. He's just so electric to watch. Um. Yeah, between him, Michael Caine, and Morgan Freeman, like you're really seeing just like wonderful characters and performances. You know, Morgan Freeman is always Morgan Freeman. Like he, you know, he, that personality of Morgan Freeman is always there. But it's always wonderful to watch. Very similar to like Denzel Washington. Like that, I you don't see like a ton of variation, but whatever they do is so good. And you really identify with it. Michael Caine probably too. Um, but Heath Ledger, you don't, that is not the experience here. He is not him himself. He is the Joker. He exists entirely in this character, which is so impressive to watch. Um, I will say after, you know, after seeing Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, now it's a little unfair comparison because that movie is entirely about the Joker. Joaquin Phoenix. It's entirely about him. The whole thing. This movie is not entirely about the Joker. It's not about, you know, so they kind of just fit in his story as you go. But the depth at which it made me appreciate and really like be wowed even more so by the depth of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker after watching Heath Ledger's again. I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, while Heath Ledger still fucking knocks it out of the park, he's incredible. Um, it just, jo Joaquin Phoenix really like did something pretty unbelievable so anyway Heath Ledger's fucking amazing and um what did I write that for hmm so so he has like a little spat with Michael J. White's character whose name is Gamble he kills one of his henchmen Gamble puts out a hit on Joker and then I love that in like the next scene or maybe a couple scenes later, Joker comes after him. He like has these guys pretend that they caught the Joker. They bring him in. His guys kill all the Joker's guys. Joker kills Gamble. And then Joker makes the last two of Gamble's henchmen fight to the death to see who can live. Fucking great. Like really, really villainous stuff. And I like it a lot. So good job. Um, you know, in this movie, like all this, you know, had wonder how I got these scars and all the different stories. I love that touch that he wasn't giving you any reality. I mean, that's, you know, the, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker is like that too. Even what you're watching on screen is it, there's so many rumors that like, oh, it's not true. He's just in the mental hospital the whole time and all this shit. Anyway, um, in, in this Batman movie, Heath Ledger's Joker is like a legitimate psychopathic murderer, which is great. I mean, you know, it, it makes him scary and it makes him really volatile and 
Yeah, great. Um, what did I write here? Just like a submarine. I said, I love that line. It must have been something Morgan Freeman said. Or, I don't know, whatever. Um, but I've seen this movie three, maybe four times. And on this last time was the first time that it was clear, like really clear to me, like, oh, okay, this is the entire convoluted story that like the Chinese businessman is helping um, all these mob bosses launder their money and then he takes their money so he won't get found out that he's laundering it. And then that's why Batman goes to China and drags him back and... He's going to testify and, you know, uh, Joker wants to kill him. But it, again, even the way I just described that, not that I did like a super great job, it's very convoluted for a Batman story. I feel that ultimately people really miss the essence of uh, Batman, that he's just a guy and pretty simple. And like his stories are pretty simple, even if even, you know, later in the books when they started introducing, you know, more supernatural characters and stuff like that. The the story is very simple. And so you could focus more on the character. But in these movies, the story is complicated and the characters are pretty flat. It's very. Eh. Um, so anyway, there's all this stuff with this Chinese businessman, this crooked businessman and the gangs of Gotham and their money and, you know, the corrupt politicians. And it's all this type of atmosphere. Um, but anyway, the Chinese businessman bounces back to China and I love that Batman is just like, I'm going to fly over there and just drag him back to Gotham. I, I liked that. That's a very cool Batman thing that they did. Um, and there was some cool Batman stuff. Like he comes in, you know, he has Morgan Freeman go there and drop like a sonar device or whatever. So Batman can see inside the building kind of, you know, wonky technology that you justify for the movie, which is fine. Um, and I love that he goes in and just takes him and just takes him all the way back and drops him on the you know doorstep for the police. I thought that was cool. Um, but again, you know, it's just the ultimate. The tone of the movie is very heavy. It's not. It's just not fun to watch. No one doesn't make fun movies. This is a superhero. Like he's he just. There's always just such a like, heaviness and bleakness, which. You can be dark without being bleak or bland. Like, again, look at the 1989 Batman. It's very dark. Um, but it's very fun. It's You feel a ton of adventure. There's levity. Anyway, um, there's a scene where Joker's killing all of the, like, these judges. It kills, like, three of them at the same time. You know, it's like a judge, the mayor or the governor or some police cheat oh, this is the judge the police commissioner and someone else and he sets up this elaborate plan to kill all three of them at the same time and it was great i love that scene uh it's very tense and cool it's you know it's there's like a lot of like um you know kind of hard-boiled detective type vibes with stuff like that in these movies which i like like kind of gritty um 70s and 80s type movie making or storytelling rather there's this part where like after that, like Bruce Wayne, I'm just going through my notes. That's why it's, I mean, it's more or less in order, but that's why I'm kind of jumping around. Um, but Bruce Wayne like starts begging Rachel to like stay with him, which is the most un Bruce Wayne and un Batman thing you can do. Again, it's just a, a fundamental lack of understanding or like 
attachment to the character. It feels like, what it feels like is that, I don't know if this is true, I could be totally wrong, but it feels like you're watching a movie from a talented filmmaker who likes the idea of Batman, but didn't grow up reading Batman. So he's just like, he he probably read like the Miller books, you know, year one and um, Dark Knight Returns. And then just like, oh, Batman is dark and fucking angry and he hates being Batman. That's, that's, yep, great. Um, but the Miller Batman only, not only, but the Miller Batman resonates more if you actually like the earlier Batman iterations. Because it's a progression. If you start at Miller for Batman or Daredevil, if you start there, um, your take on them is only angry and, and bleak, which I think is, is a disservice because it's one note. The Miller stuff is amazing. I still read those books and I still love them. But again, like I appreciate them more because I also read other non-Miller version of things. Like Miller's take to just make everything super gritty and super real. Uh, I mean, real is not the right word, but just super gritty and dark. It kind of it exploded the world of not just comics, but like film to comics. That's the take that they use, like for fear of being sixty six Batman or Batman and Robin or, you know. Um, but it's just it misses something, man. It's just it, it's it's one dimensional. That's all. Not the Miller books. The the take on Batman based off of the Miller books is one dimensional. Um, so you get to this point where. Bruce Wayne is holding a fundraiser for Harvey Dent in his uh, Sky Mansion, his uh, penthouse. <laughs> I didn't mean to say Sky Mansion. I just literally couldn't think of the word penthouse. And Sky Mansion was how my brain reconciled that. So Bruce Wayne shows up in a helicopter with like, you know, 30 models. And you're like, okay, uh, it's Bruce wayne It just doesn't, I don't know. The way he portrays Bruce Wayne, I'm just not into. I'm just not a fan of it. Um, so anyway... Uh, Joker's guys show up. Bruce Wayne takes uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal into the other room. Is like, stay here. Then he goes through a doorway and he, you know, is, is going to put on Batman stuff. While that's happening, Bruce Wayne is off camera. It takes a while to get in that bat suit. Um, Joker's going around and he's terrorizing the people at the party. Maggie Gyllenhaal doesn't listen and just pops out of the room and is like, hey, I'm here. And this is when Joker's doing like the second. You want to know how I got this scars, these scars stories. And then it's a different story, which when you re- that's when you realize like, oh, maybe he was lying about the first one or he's lying about this one or both. And you realize like that is a an amazing character choice um, and, and writing. Great, great fucking idea. What a way to show that a character is a sociopath. Um, such a simple way to do it. Excuse me. So. The room is completely lit like it's you know it's a party so there's just like the whole room is lit up like this it's just completely bright okay joker's in the middle of the room with maggie gyllenhaal and he's looking for harvey dent bruce wayne has choked out harvey dent and left him in a fucking linen closet i guess so that he won't get taken more taken her like it's like the fifth liam neeson movie where he takes Aaron Eckhart. Um, 
he turns into the bad guy. Liam Neeson turns into the bad guy. He takes Aaron Eckhart and holds him hostage. And then Maggie Gyllenhaal has to save Aaron Eckhart. So um, <laughs> the room is completely lit and they're surrounded. Joker's in the middle. So there's guests completely uh, encircling them and, you know, a dozen henchmen. Okay. And in the middle of that circle is Joker and Maggie Gyllenhaal. He says something, Joker says something, and then Batman is just behind him and he's like, I'm right here, or whatever the fuck he says. Like, no, like, <laughs> what is like, Batman just like, oh, work through credit, excuse me guys, excuse me, let me just get, let me get by you, and then just walk up to Joker behind him, wait for him to finish his sentence to give a one-line quip, and then the whole crowd is just like, not, <laughs> not saying anything, it was so dumb. Like, you can't have it both ways, you can't say... No, my movie and my story is based totally in reality. But here's a bunch of shit that also makes no sense. Like, I'm going to go into why he has this car, why he has, you know, this helmet, why he has this, how he made his batarangs. You know, all of the, you're going to go into all of this. But then he just, like, materializes behind the Joker and nobody can see him. Like, okay, even if he materializes, maybe he's got, you know, fucking Harry Potter spell. He's a, a Death Eater. Great. And he's apparating. But, like... Nobody sees it. Like nobody's like, "Hey, Joker, the Batman's behind you." Joke? No, 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 behind you. Yeah, yeah, there, Batman. Nobody says it. Like it, it was just, it was very dumb. Um. So, also, like his entire Batman's. I, I don't like the design. I really don't like the design. It's like my least favorite Batman design. Um. It's my least favorite Batman design, maybe ever. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's whack ones, you know, drawn ones, but like for sure for live action, it's no, I really don't like it. His belt is gold. He paints his entire suit black. There's that scene in the first movie. He's spray painting everything black. He wants to be stealth, wants to be stealth. And he keeps his belt gold. Why? They're not, the, the suit looks nothing like any of the old suits. It's not like the Keaton suit, which had the big, you know, the yellow symbol with the black black bat on it and the yellow belt you know classic you know black and yellow batman they're not doing that so i mean it's just it's so dumb so okay there's this whole sequence where okay i'm just gonna read this because it gets mixed up in my head i just want to read this is the thing in this movie that really bugs me okay the entire sequence with batman taking the bullet from the wall to get the fingerprints off the bullet is useless. It makes no sense. Joker would have... Okay. Okay. So there's this scene where there's like some kind of like a murder and then the Gotham PD is there and then Batman appears and he's like, I need five minutes with your crime scene before your detectives contaminate it. And Gordon's like, all right, everybody out. Let Batman do what he wants. And then Batman finds a bullet in the wall, takes the bullet out, knowing that like in the morning, there's going to be some sort of mayor parade and they need to get this done before they so they can protect the mayor. So in like eight hours, he takes this bullet out of the wall, goes to his underground bat new bat cave. That's like a like a Lamborghini showroom. Who built this? I don't know. Um, and he gets similar caliber guns, shoots them into various types of 
drywall or you know brick wall or whatever the fuck it was to see how they shatter so he can reconstruct the bullet and then try to get a fingerprint off of the bullet like he does all of this in like eight hours but and then he uses that fingerprint to find who it belongs to which is an apartment overlooking the mayor parade the next day so he gets the fingerprint goes finds out who owns or whose fingerprint it is and where they live, goes to that place during the mayor parade to find a bunch of hog-tied police. And then you realize, oh, so then a bunch of Joker henchmen are in their uniforms in the parade and they're planning to kill the mayor. Why? Okay. And then Batman, or Bruce Wayne, goes to the window just when a timer goes off so that it releases a switch that lets the blinds shoot up so that way the snipers police snipers that were there to protect the mayor see something come up they think it's a gunman and they shoot at bruce wayne so that would mean joker set all this up in like moments and batman figured it out in moments but he set it up going like okay we're gonna put this bullet in the wall with this other guy's fingerprint on it so i'm gonna take this guy's thumb push this bullet into the magazine, fire that bullet into that wall. I know that Batman is for sure, because the police wouldn't have been able to do this. They don't have the technology or the you know know how to do this. So Batman's going to come. He's going to take the bullet out of the wall. He's going to take it home, and in the right amount of time, and in perfect timing, by the way, not before, not before the parade, and not after, but like right when we need him to, right when the timer is going to go off. I'm going to set this timer exactly. So I'm going to set it for nine hours <laughs> and seventeen minutes and you know thirty seconds. So that Batman will find the fingerprint, go to the th- go to the room, go to the window at the exact time, <laughs> and then the blind will come up, and then maybe they'll kill him, or they'll take a shot at him, and that distraction will give us, the henchmen next to the mayor, a chance to then turn and try to kill the mayor. That was his plan. What? What? Then... Uh, Gary Oldman jumps in front and seemingly is killed. Okay. And he's just dead. You're like, okay. And there's a scene where like one of the other cops has to tell Gordon's wife that he's dead and she cries. And Batman is just like standing creepily by on the um, fire escape, like looking at the kid and the kid looks at Batman and Batman's like, Ugh. it's so fucking dumb. And there was no point to this. So you find out later that Gordon didn't die. He faked his own death, which is like, why? I, I don't, there was no reason why. But it also means that like, because then you find out like it was a plan, like he meant to do it, I guess. So it's like, so then, <laughs> so then Gordon knew about this elaborate plot from the Joker and that he would fake his own death to then, it serves no purpose. Like nothing happens as a result of Gordon faking his own death that couldn't have or wouldn't have happened otherwise. Like there was no reason for it to happen. It just, it made no sense. And then like when Gordon comes back later, he catches the Joker and he's like, rips off his mask. He's like, Oh, I'm still alive. And you're like, (laughs) so I don't, (laughs) maybe I'm missing something. Comment below or message me. If you're watching on YouTube, comment below. Let me know if there was a reason Gordon needed to fake his own death. 
And uh, otherwise, you know, hit me up on uh, Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or whatever. Um, it was just so fucking dumb. But Batman is so mad because I guess he doesn't know that Gordon is still alive. So he's like super pissed. But it's like, you know, you're the world's greatest detective. You should, you would probably know. Anyway, the next scene is Falcone in like a nightclub. And Batman just like walks in the nightclub and just starts beating up everybody to get to Falcone. And like, again, where the fuck is the ninja stuff? He just walks into a packed nightclub. People are dancing. There's just music and lights. And you're just like, he just walks up to him, beats up like 10 people to get to him. No stealth, no ninja-ing, nothing. Just like, I'm Batman and I'm going to beat everybody up. And it's so dumb. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, like, why not just get the mob boss anywhere else? And there's a kind of line where the, the girl, the, the mob boss, that Falcone, is it Falcone? Whatever. No, it's not Falcone. It's the other guy after Falcone. But while the mob boss, the girl with him is like, let's go home or whatever. He's like, no, I'm not going. Like, so you kind of get the idea. Maybe he, he is intentionally staying in public to protect himself. Great. So Batman can come up with no better way than to just like walk in there. Like everybody just is constantly seeing Batman in this movie, in these movies. Um, so you start to... There's all this stuff with Harvey Dent. And I know people like like to shit on Aaron Eckhart in this movie for being kind of like a little ho- hokey or overactory, but like whatever. I thought he was fine. Um I mean, I don't disagree that he's a bit hammy, but you know, I think he's fine in the role actually. And I would have loved to see that story. Like even if it was a Joker and Two-Face movie, Make it Joker and Two-Face. Don't make it Joker, Two-Face, plus the Chinese businessman, plus the corrupt PD, plus the politicians, plus, you know, all these capers of the that the Joker's pulling off. Like, it's just... So Two-Face is kind of thrown away a lot, too. He's kind of left. But his turn is actually really cool. And I would have loved to see that movie. And while he was Two-Face, he dies, like... He's Two-Face for, like, 10 minutes, and then he dies. Spoiler alert at the end. Um, he's super menacing and scary and he literally is just like flipping the coin whether or not people live or die and uh, cool and the makeup is amazing the effects are great so anyway um, they keep going back to the love story which is so useless for Batman it's just unnecessary to give Batman a love story Um, let's see Oh yeah, there's a part, so the Joker does this big plot to escape prison where he like, oh no, no, he's being chased by the police. No, what the fuck is it? What's happening? I don't remember. Oh, the police are trying to escort or they're trying to transport the the Chinese businessman who's going to testify. They're trying to transport him to somewhere else. And then all the Joker and his guys try to hijack those that truck with the Chinese businessman is in and it's causing all this chaos and then Batman shows up in his Batmobile and he's literally just like blowing up cars on the side of the road like 
There could be people in him. There could be people next to him. He's just exploding cars, like shooting them with missiles to get through. Like again, very <laughs> un Batman. Um, so while this is happening, it's getting crazy. There's like you know firefights on the road, and the SWAT guys are driving evasively. And there was a line where one of the SWAT guys in the sorry is this not focusing on me focus on me focus on me pay attention to me camera um well one of the SWAT guys like all this chaos is going on and the SWAT guy goes I didn't sign up for this it's like <laughs> motherfucker you're in SWAT you literally signed up for this this is the job like the SWAT guys are the crazy yes you got to deal with the crazy gunfights and car chases that's your thing that's kind of your thing so anyway um Batman's blowing up parked cars. They do this really incredible uh, stunt where they, you know, they flip end over end an 18-wheeler. It's very impressive. They really did it. I think it's still out of focus. Focus on me, man. Whatever. Well, hopefully that'll come out okay. Sorry, YouTube. Um, and then that's when um, Gary Oldman reveals himself. like, ah, bitch, I'm still here. And you're like, okay. There's a scene, too, where... The Batmobile gets, like, fucked up beyond repair. And then he, like, ejects out of it in at, into the Bat cycle. He's in the Bat motorcycle now. And that was very cool. I was like, that's some Batman shit. But there's a scene where... And then, and then the Batmobile blows up behind him. It has a self-destruct because, obviously, you don't want people, um, you know, getting it. So, again, just blowing shit up on the road could kill a bunch of people batman's like meh whatever but it there's a scene where and they copy the scene that was in the 89 batman where batman is flying the bat plane at joker at the end of the movie and he's shooting and joker's just walking to him come on come on so they recreate that scene here and same thing joker's walking to him like come on hit me hit me hit me and batman's driving in his bat cycle and he swerves at the end doesn't hit joker and he crashes but there's another scene too where batman is driving and he is about to hit a wall and it like the bat cycle hits the wall and then goes up 90 degrees, spins and turns around. It just, it makes no sense. Like the physics of it literally don't exist. Uh, it's, it just bugs me. Um, so anyway, they capture the Joker. And for some reason, there's a jail cell in the middle of the floor of this police station or precinct or whatever. And they put the Joker in just general population. He's just with everybody. What? No. This is guy like who's caused all this chaos. He's murdered judges and fucking you're just going to put him in gen pop. No, come on. This is stupid. And of course it has to be in the middle of the police station. There's just this cell, this like open cell with like super packed anyway. Um, so the interrogation scene, famous interrogation scene is next, which is great. It's a good scene. I like it a lot. Um, Heath Ledger, killing it and you know batman's actually pretty good in this one too he's just very angry and you know enraged and he doesn't know what to do and i love the line where you know joker's like uh you have nothing to threaten me with you know for all your strength um you know there's nothing you can do i don't care and it's great to see like batman go through that emotion like fuck that's true like I, i'm not gonna kill him and he's not scared of me what am i gonna do I really like that. Very cool idea. Um, and then, you know, it comes to the 
Rachel is being held hostage in one place that's covered in gasoline and Harvey's being held in another and you know, they're both going to blow up, but who can you save first? You only got time to save one. It's a great, um, it's great. It's a great scene. It's a great plan. I liked all of it. Super, super good. Um, and then again, to make Joker is like, it's just an insane monster. He tells Batman which addresses which, but he intentionally says them backwards or, or, you know, opposite. So Batman thinks he's going to save Rachel, but he really goes to save Harvey. Um, and there's, you know, which is fucking awesome, like really, really cruel and fucked up and great. And uh, he does that because when Batman rescues Rachel at the party, he could see that like, oh, he he loves this woman. So he very cruel, very fucked up. Um But the scene, you know, so and Harvey and Rachel have like a intercom. They're they're far away from other other sides of town, but they have an intercom where they can speak to one another, and it's great. It's very heartfelt, and Maggie Gyllenhaal is very good and believable, and they're ta- talk to each other like, "No, you're gonna be okay. No, you're gonna be okay." And I hope they save you. And she's like, "No, I hope they save you." And um, it's great. Ultimately, Batman gets Harvey Dent. He takes him out. But like Harvey had already fallen in the gasoline, so half of his face is covered in the gas. When they walk out, the building explodes. The fire gets on Harvey, burns half of his face. Great. Uh, and Rachel dies because nobody's the police don't show up in time to save her. Great. It's a great scene. It's effective. Um, really liked it. But that scene should have been in a different movie. That could have been the Harvey Dent Batman movie where the beginning of the movie... Harvey Dent and Rachel Dawes are in love and, you know, Batman's trying to be okay with it. You know, Bruce Wayne is trying to be okay with it. You know, middle of the, or beginning of the second act, there's a hostage scene just by maybe the mob. Same thing happens. Doesn't have to be from the Joker. Same thing happens. Batman thinks he's going one place. He ends up going the other. He saves Harvey, turns him into Two-Face. Rachel dies because the police couldn't get there in time. So now Harvey hates Batman for saving him and letting Rachel die. And he hates the police for the police not being able to save Rachel. And then the last half of the movie could have been Harvey Dent as Two-Face going through and trying to murder anybody who knew about it, anybody who helped, anybody, you know, including Batman and everybody who led to Rachel's death. Like they could have made that movie. That would have been enough for a movie. And it's just another scene in this movie, which again, I say it over and over. That's my problem with these Nolan movies that he tries to throw in so much like any one of these things could have been a good movie in its own right. But he just wastes it by trying to cram as much in as he can. I don't like it. So anyway, um, where are we at? Uh, so all the chaos that the Joker's causing is really cool. It's it's good. And um, again, I, I like it. Uh, it's, it's cool. So... What else? Um, oh, yeah. So Rachel dies. Batman's all broken up, obviously. Then he's back at his penthouse, his sky mansion. And he's sitting in front of the windows. The w- walls are wall-to-wall windows. So you can see it's all around. And he's sitting in his bat suit without the cowl next to the window. Because he's, like, so bummed out that Rachel's dead. But, like, <laughs> really? You're just going to sit? You're the one of the richest men in the world, the most famous person in Gotham and in the world, one of the most famous people in the world. And you're just going to sit in front of your window in your bat suit. 
It was, it was just a dumb choice. I mean, they're trying to make it like he's so distraught he hasn't even taken off his costume. Okay, but, you know, put him somewhere else. Why put him in front of the window? It's so dumb. And he's like, Rachel was going to leave Harvey for me. She told me, uh, which wasn't true because she gave Alfred a note saying that she wasn't going to do that. And, uh, and, and watching Michael Caine and Maggie Gyllenhaal together is really a pleasure too. They're great together. Their chemistry is really nice. Um, they're both just so warm and it was cool to see it. And you felt like, oh, they've known each other since she was a little girl and he was a younger man. Like it, I liked watching them together. So anyway, Alfred then decides to not give Bruce Wayne the note that said that she was going to leave, that she was not going to leave Harvey. She was going to marry Harvey and she didn't love Bruce the same way. Um, which is like, okay, whatever. But I also like the origin of the coin that, you know, it was in the the wreckage and, and Bruce gives it, did Bruce do it? Maybe Gordon, I don't remember. But it's from the wreckage of the thing, of the explosion. So anyway, Harvey Dent's in the hospital now. Half his face is burned off and they're saying like he won't accept... Um, Medical treatment. He doesn't want skin grafts. He doesn't want pain medication. It's like, damn, that's pretty fucked up. And he's like full-blown bad guy now. He doesn't give a fuck. He's like, you, my, the woman I love is dead. Which is, it's a weird turn. It happens kind of too quick. Like everything is going fine. And then this one thing. And now he is 100% bad guy. Um, but again, you know, obviously crazy traumatic experience. Okay. Just, I'll, I'll buy it. That, that's the conceit of the movie. Great. So there's <laughs> this scene. Where like some there's some big problem. Everybody's being like taken out of the hospital. There's a bomb threat or something. That's it. Bomb, uh, Joker says that if again all this shit is in one movie. Joker's like if Batman doesn't come forward, I'm gonna blow up a, a Gotham hospital. So there's chaos in all the hospitals. All the hospitals are evacuating. For some reason, they don't take Harvey out first, even though he's the district attorney. And then there's a scene where like Harvey is. You can see half his face, like the good side, and Harvey is looking at. A nurse in his room. He's looking at the nurse. The nurse is looking at him. And he's looking at his fine. And then like. She just pulls down her little you know blue paper face mask. And it's the Joker. And Harvey freaks out. But he's chained to the bed. He can't do anything. But it's like. It looks like the Joker. <laughs> it looks like the Joker. In like a. It's like a shitty wig. But it's still the same makeup. It's built like Heath Ledger. You could totally see that it's the Joker. It just has his mask. But he doesn't react. Until he. <laughs> He takes the mask off. It's so dumb. Watch that scene again. Watch that scene again. Um, for that alone. And pause it. Because like you can see Harvey Dent looking at the nurse. It's not like he's asleep and he wakes up. But again, anybody seeing this nurse walking around the hospital would be like, that's not right. So anyway, he freaks out. And uh, it's very funny. It's very, very funny. But I love the scene of the two of them together. Of Joker getting in Harvey Dent's head and like pushing him more over the edge. Um, I love, I fucking love that scene. It's great. It's very scary, um, really intense. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, there's another scene too where like Batman is in Batman uniform. He's with Lucius, with Morgan Freeman character, and he's using the Batman voice. But like Lucius knows it's Bruce Wayne. Why is he using the Batman voice? There's a lot of stuff like that in these movies. Um, 
So then it's like, this movie's still going on. I even wrote right here, this movie is so long. It really is so long. Um, so then it's like, there's this scene on the boat where Joker's rigged two boats to explode and given the detonator to the each boat to the other boat. One boat is filled with prisoner inmates because everybody's being evacuated from the city, I guess. And the other boat is filled with like rich people. And it's like, okay, you get to decide who murders who. And it's like, okay, it's a little on the nose for like the class war here. But um, it's totally unnecessary. Why the fuck are we watching this scene? Plus like, we, you've done this before. Like, uh, I'm going to make Gotham eat itself joker like he's done this like i'm gonna if batman doesn't come forward i'm gonna blow up a hospital and see who eats who and like they've done this before and then it was like okay if if and then some guy said i know who batman is and then joker was like okay if this guy tells who batman is uh i'm gonna blow up a a hospital or a school or something like that it's very convoluted i know i'm making a mess of it but it's just so this whole scene on the boat ultimately Batman is like, I gotta find Joker, so I gotta use this machine that'll make me see the whole city. And Lucius Fox is like, oh, that's too much power for one man. And if you turn this on, I'm gonna quit. So he turns it on so he can see the whole city. He finds the Joker. um, And he stops the Joker. He gets the Joker. Neither of the boats get blown up. But again, it's just entirely unnecessary. That whole part could go away. He gets the Joker, and then Gordon and his family, or Gordon's family is missing. So Gordon goes after them. Harvey Dent has them. He wants to kill. He wants to make Gordon choose which kid is he's going to murder in front of him. Super dark, really fucked up. Um, and then the scene between Dent and or Two-Face and Commissioner Gordon is great. It's hard for me to watch it like that with where kids are being traumatized like that. Not like saying the actor was traumatized, but like if I'm looking at this as a real situation, you know, a young boy seeing his father, you know, begging and crying for this murderer with half a face um, to choose which of his kids are going to die. Like I have a hard time with that, man. It's hard to watch. Um, But anyway, ultimately, uh, Batman shows up. You are the best in all of us. And... um, Tackles Two-Face and kills him. So it's like Two-Face was Two-Face for like eight minutes, maybe ten minutes of the movie. It was just, it's a waste. They just threw him away. Um, yeah, they put so much time into making him cool and then they just, eh, fuck it, let's get rid of him right now. And they do. He's dead and then Batman is like, we can't tell anybody that it was Harvey. Harvey needs to be the beacon of hope, which is like a, theme in this movie they keep beating you over the face with and so then Batman's like blame it on me say I kidnapped uh, your family say I killed Harvey Dent say it was all me and I'll be the the brunt of it which is like why don't you just blame the mob why do you have to blame Batman I don't understand just blame the fucking mob I mean if you're going to create a story to preserve the legacy of Harvey Dent so that all the people he put away don't get set free and so that the people of Gotham still believe that there is still good in the city. So just blame it on the mob. Like why also tear down Batman who who the people are also behind? It, it's just dumb. Um, so again, those are the points that like, you know, just make no sense. Uh, so it, ru- it ends with Batman running away and being chased by dogs and police, which cool. Uh, just I think the impetus for it was 
unnecessary and kind of dumb. Uh, and then, you know, Gordon delivers the titular line, which I'm never a fan of, of that, of the title of the movie being used in the movie. And you are the fellowship of the ring. I don't like that. So they do it in this movie and I don't like it here either. Ultimately, and then the movie ends nine hours later. Ultimately, is the Dark Knight good? Does it suck? It is good and it does not suck. However, caveat, you can cut at, at least 30 minutes out of the movie, maybe more, and have a much better, cleaner movie. You can cut out that whole shit with the parade, the mayor parade, and Gordon faking his own death, and Batman the bullet. You can cut that right the hell out, and you can cut out most of the boat, the two boats scenes. And that would, you'd cut like at least 30 minutes out of the movie. Um, I think it would be a much stronger movie. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I will make that cut. And then we'll see. And then we'll see. But yeah, so there you go. Um, it does not suck. It is a good movie, but it is very bloated and very long. So maybe there's already a fan edit. Fan edit. I don't know if you guys know this, but there are these things called fan edits where people will take movies and re-edit them or tighten them up or recolor them. I've, I've recolored <laughs> movies too that I liked the movie, but I hated the way it was colored. I did that with Lord of the Rings. Now they're, I think they released a better version of them now. Um, but uh, yeah, well, they'll take a movie that's all kind of shitty or janky or bloated and they'll chop it up into good, just regular people. Some of them are filmmakers in their own right, like not uh, like big name professionals or anything, but like, you know, amateur filmmakers or semi-pro filmmakers or just people who know how to do it and like doing it. Um, and you can find those, you can look them up and find them. Uh, you have to do a little bit of finagling to figure out how to watch them. But once you do, it's very simple. Uh, and there, and there, a lot of them are very good. Anyway, that'll be it. I'm going to wrap up. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you're watching, uh, rate and review on iTunes. I'm also on, this is on, I put this podcast. I uh, put this podcast on Spotify as well. So you can listen to this on Spotify, Porb on Spotify. If you are a Spotify person, follow me there. Uh, also like, and subscribe on YouTube, hit that notification bell. Um, you know, uh, Instagram, Instagram Baker, TikTok at Graham Baker, uh, Twitter at Graham Baker. Yeah. My website is GrahamBaker.com. I, I don't have a Porb website, but I'll probably put one together. But, you know, I do other shit, too. You can check that out. Uh, the music, my band is Greyhouse, G-R-E-Y-H-O-U-S-E, Greyhouse, two words, on Spotify, on iTunes, on Bandcamp, on all the places where you get music. Um, I think on Instagram, it's official Greyhouse. No, it's Greyhouse Music, Greyhouse Music. Check me out. Holla at your boy. And, uh, yeah, that'll be it. Peace. Peace.